Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 35, Resurrection. Recorded Wednesday, February 12th of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. How's it going? Uh, reasonably well. Good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm cold. Yeah, that's very unusual for uh, your part of the country. It's really weird. Yeah. They're expecting up to like five to ten inches around here, which is just ridiculous for a place that normally gets about an inch of ice over the course of the winter. So... Yeah, we call five inches Tuesday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everybody's shut down. It's on, you know, it's the only thing on the news, yada, yada, yada. So <laughs> turn the news on and the anchor is like, snow, 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 snow. Yeah, pretty much. Like there is no other local news except as it relates to, look, there's cold water on the ground. You can still see it. Just for, uh, Comparison, folks, I'm in the Midwest, the northern part of it, and Grant is in the south. Yeah. <laughs> to give you some impression of how little we get snow, I saw my first snowplow this year, and I've lived here all my life. Ah, uh, you southern people. I know. <laughs> I'm in the northeast. Uh, you're kind of mid-Atlantic. All right, I'm at the bottom of the Northeast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not <laughs> yeah, in Maine you're not or anything Maine. like that. I was going to say, yeah. if you were up I'm, there, it would be like you'd be talking about snow in July, probably. Yeah. But yeah, but no, Mid Atlantic, a lot of snow up there too. We're just we just don't get much. So anyway, yeah. so there's a very small chance that power will cut out, and you know, this is all the episode anybody will get. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if that, if that happens, we'll we'll do it as a bonus episode, attempting to record episode thirty-five. We'll, Come back we'll next week. Out. Yeah. yeah. So, listeners, if you're hearing this, the power didn't cut out because we're probably Yay. not released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. All right. Uh, anybody have any news of any sort? No, nothing at the moment. Right. Uh, nothing that really needs to be shared on here. Cool. All right, then I think we're good. Uh, I do want to take one second and plug our community and all of our social media stuff. If you're not familiar with our Google Plus community, it's a good place to come and introduce yourself. There's a lot of interesting listeners uh, who I've gotten to know through there that are really cool. I would encourage you to go to our website, savingthegamepodcast.org, and look for all of our social media links there on the sidebar. Uh, we've got Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Uh, you can also find us on inroadsministries.com. I'd also encourage you to take a second, and if you like a particular episode, share it out to people. It's a weird thing, but we don't get, we don't get shared very much. And I'm not going to tell everybody, oh, go share 10 episodes or something crazy like that. But if there's something you like, Yeah, if we handled a particular topic well or something, please, by all means... If we handed a topic uh, particularly unwell, you think, please share that, too. So yeah. That we know. <laughs> Tell us, at least. Yeah, share that with <laughs> us, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, share it around with, you know, too. I mean, public discussion about it is also good, you know? Yeah. So. And if, we right. did, if we did poorly enough and get enough discussion, I suppose we could always go back and retackle something, so. Yeah, well, uh -huh. there's, there's that. I mean, if it's, wow, we really did this wrong, 
Oh, no, we got another episode topic. How terrible. Or we missed just a ton of interesting content we could have yeah. crammed into here. Well, well, here's the thing. We still have a huge list of episode ideas that came from people on the Saving the Game Google Plus community. When I'd, I'd asked for them there. I don't think we've gotten to any of them yet, or if we have only tangentially. And I keep hoping that one, one of these days we will run out of topics and be able to like, hey, let's do one of these. Yeah. We had a whole other series planned. Like it's like, all right, we're we're gonna go into this one, and then I I drop death, like to cut off the other series that I had planned. Yeah, well, which, it happens. Well, and we've still got a couple more guest hosts lined up, and it's just it's gonna be. Oh my, Brewster's millions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, well, and we the first world problems of podcasting. Yeah, well, and it's like. We've still got to finish our Virtues and Vices series, and so... Too many topics. Yeah, if, you were, if you were hoping do. that we would run out of topics and go away, you're not going to get your wish for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. unless you want to help me edit and turn this into a weekly podcast, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, it's a great way to get on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Ask me. <laughs> All right. Enough talking about the podcast. Let's podcast. Uh, scripture. Uh, well, right. first of all, let me reintroduce our topic again. This is a follow-up from last episode, which was about death. We're talking about resurrection tonight, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously is critically important to any understanding of Christianity. And so we've got <laughs> relevant scripture passages that we've picked out for that. And it also plays a pretty big role in a lot of different fantasy games. Yeah, well, and a lot of other stories, too, not just fantasy. True. So, Brandon, you wanted to start us off with Daniel 12.2, yes? Yes, the only one that I won't get tongue-tied and horribly mess up. All right. (laughs) Daniel 12.2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. All right. And the second one we have is Luke 24, 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And I have John 11, verses 1 through 43. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, 
A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he had meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in his tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opens the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. Thank you. So topic tonight, like we said, is resurrection. And I think probably the biggest question we need to answer probably fairly quickly, given kind of who we are and audience that generally listens to us. But a question that we should probably address up front is, can Christians safely play in games or otherwise consume stories where resurrection from some source other than the resurrection of the body promised by Christ is an option or a feature of the world? And my answer is yes. Peter? Yeah, mine is too. This is one of those things where I think this is kind of the value of myth. That C.S. Lewis quote we always 
yeah. throw out there. Yeah. The value of myth is that it takes all the things that you know and restores to them the rich significance which has been hidden by the veil of familiarity. Right. Which is a good way to sum up, basically. The whole point of stories and fiction is to, I mean, you know, it's enjoyment. There's a, a good, real joy that comes from a good story. First of Real all. quick time out before we dig into this too much. Brandon, yeah. did you have an answer for this? <laughs> um, I, I, I was sarcastically going to say, uh, no, of course not. You, we, we can never do this and then agree with you guys. So okay. nothing of value is lost. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Just wanted to give you a fair shake. Yeah. If you ask me, if you ask me seriously, I'd, I'd say like, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. Like you can tell a story. You can read stories. You can participate in stories where resurrection happens by some other me uh, means other than the body and host of Christ. Uh, just like we can read stories and, you know, watch movies. I can go to the Thor movie that that has a Odin in it. Like <laughs> that has right. a whole bunch of other things that are not in line with Christianity. And as Christians, I'm watching it because it's a story. It's it's not something that I'm thinking is real. It's not like I'm going out there and then praying to Odin. It's not like I'm going sure. out there and trying to resurrect someone. Right. And there's there's a good and real joy that comes from stories, first of all, you know, good stories. But also yeah. those good things are generally speaking reflections of God. And again, as as I'm talking about stories, is uh resurrection is a tool that a lot of people use in in a whole bunch of different stories. Uh it's a MacGuffin, it's a great plot device when used properly. It's a horrible, horrible thing when used poorly in most comic books ever where they just keep bringing characters well, back from the dead. Yeah. Yeah, I hear <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, nobody ever stays dead in the comics. Yeah, and and resurrection is not the only supernatural event you see in the Bible that's used elsewhere in other very good yeah. stories. I mean, there's healing, there's prophecy, you name it. And especially, I think especially if it's used metaphorically, it's probably, I'm going to say, it's easier to discern the value of it. I think the main takeaway with this is going to be what should be the main takeaway with everything. You have to ingest everything with a little, a little bit of grains of salt. Make sure that you're looking at what they're saying. Yeah. By because there could be a really really horrible story that involves a resurrection that you shouldn't be watching and you shouldn't be sticking it in your head uh, because it's it's not good. But having resurrection in it doesn't make it not good. Just like if we're going to limit Christians from being able to play games that have resurrection, then we can't have pl them playing games that have magic in it at all. Yeah, we can't have well. Let, yeah. Let's avoid the slippery slope argument yeah. because it, that slippery slope slides both ways. But I get where you're coming from, and I, I don't want to overstate it. And I, I almost don't want to spend too much time on this because I think it's, from our yeah, perspective, I almost think this a given. Is probably just like any other uh, yeah. supernatural trope, and that as long as it's not used in some kind of blasphemous way, I, I think you're probably fine to include it in the stories you tell at the gaming table. Yeah, your mileage may vary. Be aware of issues with weaker brothers and that sort of thing. But by and large, I think it's probably fine, at least from our perspective. So anyway, let's move on. There's a lot of things that I've thought about as far as resurrection stories go. And probably the biggest thing that you have to think about if you're going to tell a story involving resurrection of any sort is the nature of the resurrection itself. Is it a common feature of the world or is it incredibly rare? Is it easy to do or is it extremely difficult? Is it safe for 
anybody involved or is it extremely dangerous for anybody involved? Cheap or expensive? A raised dead spell in D&D is going to set the character casting it back 5,000 gold pieces worth of diamonds. Yeah. That's I mean, a chunk of change for a ninth level character in 3rd It is a chunk D&D. of change. But if you have somebody who's incredibly wealthy, are their kids doing incredibly stupid things and getting themselves killed going, oh, no, daddy will replace my car and resurrect me. <laughs> wow oh, well, but, but think about the kind gosh. of story that that involves i right? know it changes I want your world that story i want that that character's going in a game there you go see <laughs> I, I love the idea of a character oh. who is just doing incredibly stupid things getting themselves killed all the time and daddy's like look this is the last resurrection i am paying for all right you also have to realize as to what Resurrection is going to do to a game if you allow it to be in the game. Uh, right. Because suddenly, death is not final. I had a person who wrote me a backstory where they were a prince and they killed off three of their brothers. And what I did with the story, and, you know, this, this might get into, you know, changing characters things, but... Uh, I basically had the guy lay out the plan to me. I saw a couple of huge gaping holes. And so I let him get away with a couple of them. But these were princes of a kingdom of dragons and elves. They had access to resurrection. Oh, sure. And, and so I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So and then once so the, the dude's story kind of changed without him, you know, sort of knowing it, like everything he did absolutely happened. Right, but you were able to to build off of that using yeah. yeah well no he, he's instead back. of being the yeah, instead of being this dead end where well now I'm the king and I've won this town it's like no you really haven't at least one of your brothers probably survived your attacks oh yeah and that that actually yeah. brings up another question is there a time limit yeah can you resurrect someone who's been dead five thousand years or you know like in the Eberron setting or I think most of the D and D Pathfinder core rules there's a certain number of days and after that nope. Too late. Uh, that's only for certain spells, of course. There are certain spells that you don't need the body. Well, yeah, <laughs> but even then, those have a time limit. Uh, you know, like 30 days or something like that, or a day per level or something along those lines. Not natural causes. Well, it's going to, you know. Okay. It's going to vary by game system, by setting, by. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's a, that's an example of, and D&D has kind of this, the rules make settings work a particular way. Yeah. If you're really sticking to those rules, you're not going to be resurrecting 5,000 year old mummies and saying, so tell me about Egyptian civilization. I'm just going to take notes. <laughs> you know, that would be a hilarious game, like some kind of magical pulp historian. <laughs> right. Can we find well, any skeletons for, from ancient Carthage? I have some questions to ask them <laughs> about their cuisine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, tell me an archaeologist wouldn't love a speak with dead spell. Of course. Oh, they would probably love that more than anything else you could give them. Exactly. So, you know, similar sort of thing, right? There was a um, a Doc Savage story that I read a long while back where Doc Savage, who's this pulp hero, managed to uh, basically create a process that could bring back to life and resurrect one person. Okay. He had just enough of this material, like some, you know, unobtainium-like material. There was only enough to resurrect one person on the planet. Who did you want? I'm getting flashbacks to the ending of AI. Well, I never saw AI. Basically, he said, okay, let's put it to a worldwide vote. And a lot of stupid suggestions came in, but by and large, the number one person who came back was Solomon. 
That's a good choice. It's it's a good choice. There's a plot to it where, you know, oh, it's not actually Solomon they resurrect because some incredibly clever person did a swap and all this other crazy stuff. But that says a lot about the technology available. If you kind of run with that, increase the availability of it a little bit so that it can feature in your game. Well, okay, now it can be anybody. Is somebody going to use this on Egyptian mummies? Is somebody going to use it on their friend who got killed recently? There's a story I really love called Seventh Son, where they have a point about this because the whole point of it is about cloning. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly certain that at one point in the story, or maybe in some TV show that I uh, was watching, uh, they were talking about how amazing the world would have been if they could bring back Albert Einstein from the dead. If they could bring back Martin Luther King, how if they could bring back all these different people and give them like so much longer to live. But the problem was there's also a whole bunch of other things that could be uh, used wrong for that. You could bring back all the bad people. Like, right. uh, imagine Attila the Hun is immortal now. And that's what you have to think about with resurrection. Yeah. Is that it can apply to bad things and it also can, you can create different stratas in people. Is it only the rich who can afford resurrection who get it? Uh, I remember a scene from the first gamers, uh, the second gamers movie, mm-hmm. where they're trying to resurrect one of the characters who's died and is not coming back. And they go to the, the church and they're like, would you please resurrect him? And the church goes, well, you're a peasant. Death is, you know, common for peasants. It's, it's a part of life and blah, blah, blah. And they give him a couple gold pieces. Then he's like, oh, come this way. Right. Like, which <laughs> yeah. sort of shows you the dichotomy there. If we have this nigh immortal group that'll live to their ripe old age and someone else who, you know, you get hit by a horse cart and Billy's gone and it's not coming back. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the, uh, the original vampire myth. You know, Dracula is incredibly wealthy in a material sense. And that even extends into this immortal life. He's so tied to this world. So that's definitely a part of it. And or is there something that mitigates that? Okay, maybe it's expensive, but also not everyone who can afford it gets resurrected. There's something either just about the way they died or some metaphysical aspect of the death that prevents resurrection. Um, They don't have the big player tag on their head, you know, whatever. This is the clause you see in a lot of different games where the soul has to want to return to the body. Right. Uh, I actually had a game where a character of mine died, and I actually did a little role-playing of that. Well, that actually brings up an interesting question. Mm-hmm. What conditions have to be met? Because, I mean, you know, you can you can go with the, the person has to want to come back, but I've also seen it as their deity has to release them. Well, to put it in a very eschatological sort of frame, a soul that you know, has made its way to heaven is very unlikely to want to come back to earth unless there's some pressing need that they see that, you know, serves heaven's greater goals. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's found their way to hell almost certainly wants to come back. But it's really unlikely that the people in charge down there want to let them come back. Right. Unless it furthers their goals. Mm -hmm. Well, and this assumes that, well, that's a, that's a highly different cosmology from, Christianity, where God is, is in charge it of is, all of it. It is, but it's a very cartoony take on it in a lot of ways. Yeah. But And it also assumes that the soul goes directly to heaven, which some yeah. faiths don't believe in. Right. I remember seeing a, an old 
I say old from like 1990s or 2000s, a, a TV show that never got very far called Brimstone, where there was a cop who got sent to hell on basically a technicality and the devil sent him back to collect the souls of serial killers that had escaped. Okay. Very dark show. Didn't go very long because it was basically a monster of the week where the monster of the week was some dude. Not very exciting. But Reaper. Okay. Maybe that's a better one. I haven't seen Reaper. Uh, Re- Reaper was a Kevin Smith thing. So the, it, it had it beat on comedy. But the idea was that uh, the kid was – the parents had sold his soul. Mm-hmm. And Hell had a problem with demons getting out. And so he had to go and capture them. And – it, it was, There's actually been a fair amount of intellectual property created in various forms that covers that basic story. I remember seeing books at work that cover that, too. Well, I assumed as much. That's why I wanted to mention Reaper to sort of bring up that this is not a lone idea to the brimstone. Right. Yeah, the the book yeah. that I'm thinking of is called The Devil's Rose, I believe. Yeah, now, if you want a really good one, to go back to the, the earlier point about, you know, what happens if everybody comes back. Uh, Philip Jose Farmer's Riverworld novels are set in a setting where every person who has ever lived on Earth. Well, up until 1983 back. anyway. Yeah, it was like 1983 originally, and then they retconned it to like 2200 or something like that, a little bit further along. But every single person, good or bad, they're all living together on the banks of a river. And anytime they die, they come back the next day with some very limited exceptions. That that reminds me of two other stories. Uh, the first one being Miracle Day, uh, mm. the Torchwood miniseries, which I haven't seen, but it, from what I heard, it's death stopped. And so basically everyone was resurrected. Right. As soon as they died, they came back. And the other one was an anime, which I think was released this winter, that I saw on an anime review show. Basically, uh, the whole plot of it was God got tired of the world and left, and so no one died. Right. Terry Pratchett's Reaper Man had a very similar concept. Yeah. 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 And, like, if, if someone got their head blown off, they just walk around missing that chunk of their body. That kind of shows you the horror of 100% resurrection and what it can happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, e- even without going the whole rate of The Walking Dead, which the horror there was everyone was coming back, but they were coming back wrong. <laughs> right. And and coming back wrong or different, there are so many possibilities in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a, a thread on Reddit fairly recently that was uh, fun things to happen when a character is resurrected or reincarnated, many of which turned out to be fun in the Dwarf Fortress. Oh, everything's horrible now sort of mm-hmm. sense of fun. But, you know, things like the wrong soul, uh, the guy can see ghosts, uh, you name it, all sorts of interesting ideas that are Something is changed. Yeah, you resurrect something else with them, which is something that I think happened in in the first Monster Hearts game I played. I, I played mm-hmm. an angel, and like one of the last acts I did in that game was resurrect someone who died. Right, SG One, Stargate SG One. Mm-hmm. Um, the resurrection devices that the Gwauld have. Well, this is Krafikai. The protagonists occasionally use them. You know, the aliens use them all the time, and it's very explicit that. The resurrection system that they have is addicting. Yeah. It generates this enormous pridefulness and selfishness, and it's this source of decadence and, you know, all that well, sort of thing. Well, that was established in season two or three. 
Right, uh, the addiction thing specifically, yeah. they had an episode about where it's a human just getting in it and, oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> I feel great. Yeah. And they did it because they had to, like, like they put a very cheap and easy uh, method of resurrection in their story, and they had to find some way to get rid of it so that they couldn't just keep killing Daniel Jackson and he would come back. No, well, that didn't stop yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. The punchline <laughs> is is that they kept killing Daniel Jackson and kept coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even then, every once in a while, you'd see a character get resurrected in a sarcophagus for some plot. But mm-hmm. you know, they never took a sarcophagus home for that reason. Yeah, true. But it was it was usually restricted to the villains, which created a a it's separation. The technology. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it basically turned the people who used it into villains. And and that's that's actually was one of the uh, things about the Tokra when they introduced the good ghoul. They right. said we don't use sarcophagi because it would drain the good out of us. Right. Exactly. And there's other similar questions, you know, relating to technology that I think Peter may have brought up. Yeah, I, like if, for instance, in um, the auto duel setting that uh, Car Wars is in. It's possible for you to buy life insurance, which is a gene sample on hand, and we make regular tapes of your brain. And, right. And, you know, we use that to bring you back. The thing is, I would argue that that's not the same person. No, of course it's not. I mean, there's a very – we can get very metaphysical on this, and I don't know that this is the show for it. But, you know, there's a lot of questions of, okay, if you break apart somebody and reassemble them exactly the same way – is that the same person? Going back to uh, the book series that I was actually talking about that I, I think the thing came from, it was called Seventh Son. It was about that. And that's basically what the story was. They took a kid, they cloned him, and they downloaded the memories of his, you know, of his, his, his totality of his life right. into a computer and uploaded it into seven clones and yeah. sent them out to uh, live lives. And, like, they each led very different lives, uh, partially because they were sort of guiding their lives, but also they were studying them. It was, it's weird, it's interesting. Go read Seventh Son. J.C. Hutchins is a great author. I love his work. <laughs> if you've got something like that, you should at least be able to answer those questions to a limited degree in the story you're telling or the setting you're writing or whatever. Yeah. The other big question that remains is what do the dead experience while they're dead? And does any of that come back with them? That's a experience for the story and plot, and that's something you can handle on your own. There is another pretty big issue that mm-hmm. you, you we have to uh, think about that don't come in necessarily with the story side, but come in with the actual gameplay side. Uh, is resurrection in your game keeping a fair balance between PCs and NPCs? In the, what's it called, a Stargate SG-1 situation, the idea that you could plug away at a villain and plug away at a villain and finally kill him. And then he comes back. Like, right. if that's not yet a TV show, that can get really, really annoying to someone who they've lost their favorite character and they can't bring him back because no resurrection's evil. Yeah, fairness is obviously an issue. I've played in games where the cost of the resurrection spell was like, you let your character die tax. It wasn't yeah. even go out and find the diamonds. It was, all right, knock five grand off your uh, net worth and here's your character back. Yeah. You lose two levels. Yeah, I don't even think we did that because the GM was – he didn't want to deal with the bookkeeping. It was pay your 5,000 gold and come back. Yeah. 
And and the point of that is, does that cheapen death too much? Going going I back would, to I would argue in that particular case, yes, because yeah. at that point, death is just another negative condition yeah. like paralysis or blindness. In the uh, in, in that the game. case, it was oh, I lost the fight. I is really what it was. It, uh, it goes also to the gamers too, where they have the joke about the guy who wrote up fifty bards because they kept dying. Yeah, and in one fight, he just keeps bringing them in, and they keep just getting killed and killed. <laughs> that. That yeah, goes back to the belt-fed PC gun yeah. analogy that I made last episode. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And when I was playing in that particular campaign, I didn't want to – it was a D&D campaign. There's a lot of bookkeeping involved, and I did not want to make a new character in that campaign because it was a lot of work, and I was at least a little attached to that character. I think more proud of the numbers than attached to the character, but that's okay. I was like – 27 or so, but it kind of counted as my stupid teenage game early on in my gaming career. It wasn't something that came up. It wasn't part of the plot. It didn't really matter. Whatever. We didn't have any recurring villains for Resurrection to matter for anything like that. Yeah, The game wasn't deep enough for there to be those problems. Right. And so, you know, (laughs) you let your character die tax worked perfectly fine in that sort of game. Yeah, if if you're facing, like, random faceless mook 1 versus random faceless mook 5, or random faceless mook Z... It doesn't really matter, like, which one they are. Oh, right. oh it's another dude. I'm going to hit the drow with my sword. Yeah. Okay. Whereas in a Legend of the Five Rings game, you know, as they say in the game, every character lives three feet from death because three feet's the length of a katana. Today may be your day. And if today's your day, you're expected to go, all right, doing my day. That's fine. And, and in most fate games where uh, the characters are more than just a bunch of numbers, they're a bunch of adjectives, so... Yeah, right. each character is different. Like, you could roll up two bards and, like, have them be the exact same stats. And, okay, well, they're, they're technically different people. In Fate, if you make a different character, unless you are literally copy-pasting everything. Right. Yeah, case, Fate characters yeah. generally tend to be pretty radically different from one another because of the way that they're generated with aspects rather than more standard numerical game stats. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the things even... to like about Fate, actually. Yeah, uh, same here. It it adds a lot. Why do you think I've put aspects into everything I've ever done? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I could, in Legend of the Five Rings, if somebody was like, no, listen, I don't want this character to die or I don't want them to stay dead, I could think of a way to get that character back. It would be long and arduous and everybody would have to be involved. It'd be a whole quest. It'd have to fit the setting and the feel. But it could happen theoretically. Isn't Legend of the Five Rings the game that, like, encourages you to not kill the character? Oh no! Legend of the Five Rings oh, no. is all about oh, killing no, no, the character. No, 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 no. I, I, I meant a, the joke where, where 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 it tells you how to cheat. Where it's like you describe the sword swing goes into the guy's you know side instead of his head. Oh then- yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can always do the um, you know you see in the distance the flash of a sword and the character falls. Right. It's sort of like the you know the door slams shuts behind Superman and does he make it off the ship or not when it explodes. Yeah. We didn't see. He might be dead. Okay, like death in comic books. Yeah, like yeah, very like, comic book style. If it happened off screen, we can bring him back. We can ride our way out of it. Dude falls into a uh, a lava volcano. There's no. Like, I think the trope is there's no way he survived that. Like right, which is it's 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 a great trope to keep in your games. Is like have have the rocks fall. He's crushed. He's like, no one could have survived that. Well, ah, I'm back. Right, exactly. Some of that depends on the game. You can quickly cheapen death 
because that is sort of a resurrection. The character is gone from your story and then they come back. Mm-hmm. Too much of that can cheapen it, especially if it gets ridiculous and you keep writing your way out of stupider and stupider, you know, yeah, methods unless of death. Unless the game is the embracing of the ridiculous. Oh, if listen, yeah, yeah. A send up, obviously, different mm-hmm. rule set. Yeah. You're playing Spirit of the Century, uh, Pulp Adventures, and you kill your bad guys like that and keep bringing them back. Like, that's yeah. what the game is. Like, yeah. And, you know, Highlander is a a story all about that. I mean, that is the plot of the story is, oh, yeah, keep cutting us down and we keep getting back up. But when somebody really does die, there's a light show telling you this guy's gone. Yeah. They didn't do any of that because that was the whole point. You know, now, every once in a while, they wrote their way into, oh, you know, I thought this guy died because I saw a big light show off in the woods and you didn't show up for 400 years. <laughs> No, no, that was me killing the other guy. Oh, well, why didn't you show up for 400 years? I was busy. I had a thing. Because you told me I looked ugly last night. (laughs) You're kind (sighs) of a jerk, so. Yeah, I mean, it's Highlander. I'm specifically talking about the TV show here. Anyway, I think one of the big things we need to talk about as far as resurrection goes is its role as sort of a safety net for players and their characters. And we've touched on this a little bit. You're going to have to have it in your game, whether you kind of want the setting or not, want it in the setting or not. If players are really, really attached to their characters, you can talk your way out of some of it, but sometimes players will just do stupid things. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I suppose at that point, like massively fudging die rolls so they don't actually die. Is that I wouldn't even go that far. Cause uh, no, that's just cheating. And yes, I just started a fight on them community i'm sure you Um, just started a fight in every rpg community ever that's already been had 58 times yeah can do the you know rocks fall and you don't see him die trick in some cases but there are other times when you know nope that's my 10th negative hit point my character is dead you jerk i wanted him to live okay fine we'll figure out a way to get him back it's gonna happen sometimes just be aware that you may have to do something like that some of the things i do like are As my tastes have changed, I like the idea more of resurrection being a rare, dangerous, and difficult thing that is done by the other members of the party. Yeah, they actually touched on this in a recent Sharkbone episode, and uh, I actually listened to that today in preparation for this one, and I think rather than trying to reconstruct everything they said, um, it's episode... 193. 193 of their podcast. That's if you're right. liking this discussion, go listen to that. <laughs> That's right. But go listen quickly because they're ending on episode 200. The yeah. jerks. Devin, I'm very upset with you. I know you got other better things you're moving on to, but I'm very upset. <laughs> yeah, me too. I just discovered that podcast a couple months ago and have really been enjoying it. But yeah, yeah. same here. But like when they end, it's not like they're going to take down all of their shows, are they? Because if they are, I have to start downloading. No, I- they're, they're not. I, at least it'll be up for a little while, at least. I imagine eventually he's going to want to stop paying for hosting, but, you know. I think you can still get the Sons of Cryos episodes, and they stopped in, like, 2006. Eh, anyway. It's really going to depend on the, the hosts. Yeah. So. Speaking of things being resurrected, we can hope that Sharkbone comes back someday. That's right. <laughs> and they're not even dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that we haven't talked about yet is resurrection as the main plot of the story, or at least we haven't talked about it directly. It's just, again, touching on it tangentially. Uh, Riverworld and Highlander, you know, these ha- are stories where the resurrection itself, uh, you know, the why of it and what's going on with it is sort of the main point. 
But the question of who is resurrecting people or what is resurrecting people and why is it happening in and of itself is a big mystery that directly affects the player characters, affects the whole world if it's incredibly indiscriminate, and is automatically interesting because it points to some much more powerful force than, you know, your starting peasant. Have either of you read Warbreaker? Uh, I've read I read like the once. first third of it. <laughs> All right. In Warbreaker, they one of the main concepts there is the fact that there's a whole class of people who are resurrected beings who died and came back to life as living gods. Oh yeah, yeah. and there's there's the one character who's one of those and really isn't happy about it. Yeah, Light Song. That, yeah, that I mean, yeah, I mean that's not, that's a not really that's, a spoiler. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that he's one of the character. first characters you meet, <laughs> and that's one of the first things you find out yeah. about him. It's based on they're coming back, and they come back for a reason. Every single one of them has something that they're supposed to do, or that's at least the propaganda of the religion. And through the story, it, it kind of seems like it does, at least through Light Song's arc, because Light Song starts out uh, not believing in it at all uh, because of how much, you know, the, the gods that are returned are kind of jerks, all yeah. of them, and aren't doing anything. And in the end, he, he sort of fulfills his own mission. And you figure out what he was there for and everything else like that, because that's sort of where the whole story is going. So what you're saying is I really need to finish reading oh, that book at some point. Yes, you do. It was pretty good. It wasn't my favorite of his, but it was decent. Yeah. Like, they did some things that I did not expect. Yeah. And again, they never answer the question of why this happens in the sense of, you know, what causes it to happen. They just say, this is why these individual people were resurrected. They have something to do later on. The story does not specify it because it's not really yeah. important to the story, you oh, know, no. who or why. Just this is what's happening and here's a story related to it. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it, in that case, it's a very limited set of people who are getting resurrected. And that's that makes them the center of the story. Highlander, again, the only people who who are immortal who get resurrected after they die from anything other than their head cut off are the antagonists and the protagonists. The other thing about uh, the resurrected people in Warbreaker is it costs something. They have to kind of consume the soul of a person once a week in order to stay resurrected. Yeah. Now that's a question, you know, is the resurrection permanent? Is there some ongoing cost? And for them, it is uh, a return lasts a week unless you give it the breath of another being. And so there's a huge religion stacked up to, like, pay people to basically give up the breath of their being to someone else and live life as a drab. Which basically, they're, they're, they're a normal person, but they just don't have a vitality about them. All right, let's not turn this into Warbreaker, the podcast, because <laughs> first of all, I haven't read all of it. And I'll bet you a bunch of our listeners are in the same boat as I am. Yeah. the It's a good point, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we have anything else on Resurrection? Have you guys ever really made extensive use of it in games? I'd be interested to hear that. Brandon kind of answered this a little bit already. I, I'm not certain if any of my character... Oh, yeah, I, I had the one character who got resurrected. She was a cleric of Bacab, and she died in a fight. And, and the whole great thing is that they had to... I, I did a little roleplay session where they had to talk the character back into joining them. And the the best thing about it was it was like the Thrykeen, like the the thing that ate human people was the one who got her to come back. 
Right. They actually did some sort of bonding. And the other great thing was that another one of the characters was supposed to be my ward. And like that relationship didn't work out at all. <laughs> but like, yes, that happened. And as I mentioned, I've, I've resurrected a character with monster hearts rules, which are, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I have not done it in a game, but I haven't really run any games where it would make sense. And I really haven't either, which is why I posed the question in the way that I did. Right. What have you guys done with it? Well, one thing that I remember Sharkbone talking about that I think would be really cool is not, oh, let's gather the components for this ritual, but also, hey, let's do an Oedipus in the underworld sort of thing and go get the soul and bring it back. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. Oh, that, that actually reminds me of Don't Rest Your Head. One of the mm-hmm. powers is going into the underworld and doing that. The, the example they give is something really, really bad that happens, and yeah, uh, I, there's a lot of terrible things that can happen. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, and the other uh, and the other thing that uh, Chad's game uh, with Gans Knoll, I think to quote Chad, he said, "Narl's death was amazing. It advanced the story. Narl's return was amazing. It advanced the story." And yeah. I think that he and almost anyone else who likes story would go for is that. The one thing you want to look at in including resurrection, not including resurrection, and the way you do it is, is it going to advance the story? Because not, it's going to get to what Peter was saying last time about the whole, you know, chain-fed PC gun, where you just, you know, throw your PCs at the problem and eventually overwhelm it by attrition. Yeah, but if it advances the story in a meaningful way, Mm -hmm. on either side of that coin, that death and resurrection coin, then, yeah, I think you're in a good spot. And I'd say that's probably a good place to end it. Actually, I want to throw one final thing on top of this. Okay, shoot. To bring this full circle with Christianity, Reverend Adam Hamilton, who I like almost as much as Grant likes C.S. Lewis, recently preached a sermon on Christ's death and resurrection that I thought was particularly good. I have listened to it, I think, five or six times since it dropped. Okay, Um, then. That was the January 26th sermon. I will give Grant links to put in the show notes for this episode. And there's one other thing that I just thought about dealing with death. I've been playing a lot of a card game recently. That card game is Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's a really amazing cooperative card game in that you play a huge group of superheroes. But what happens is when a superhero dies, they flip over and they have certain powers that they can use to empower NPCs. And uh, empower the other players, I'm sorry. Let them do extra things. And that was just something that made me sort of think about kind of going back to handling death is that what do you do when a player character has died at the table? Like, and, and we talked about handing out their sheets and, you know, well, you make another character and you want to keep them engaged. And I thought giving them some sort of incapacitated powers that represents sort of the rest of the team fighting harder because your character just dropped off the face of the earth and isn't with them anymore, like would be a very interesting way to keep people involved in a combat after their character has died. Yeah, let's transport that into the, the realm of movies we all know. You know, if Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, player is saying, well, my character's dead, the GM looks at him and says, all right, well, listen, at some point in the session, you can give someone any bonus you want to skill check, you know, with your disembodied voice giving encouragement and advice, all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And guess what? That mattered. You, you, can yeah, give a plus two buff, you, you can give a plus two buff or plus five buff to this one person. You can let someone else take an extra attack. You can let someone else take a, an extra move, yeah. and you get to decide who it is. So yeah, and you, you, you get to narrate it out, and that keeps them engaged and, you know, 
that sense of, oh, their spirit is still with us, that they're still helping us out. We're fighting for so-and-so to avenge him, all that sort of thing. Well, yeah. maybe so. And it beats it beats the pants off of sitting there and, you know, rolling up your other character while they're all having fun and you can't participate in it because right. you're still participating. You are still there in spirit. Right, like, waiting for them to haul your big toe back to the town yeah. cleric and pay him 5,000 gold <laughs> or, and diamonds. Or to bury you, and then you roll in with your new character that you've been able to help create now that they're out of the battle and they're not figuring how they're not going to die. They're saying, right. oh, well, how about you make my brother? Or how about you make my sister's best friend? Or how about you make the shopkeeper who we've always gone to? Yeah, that guy should totally be a PC. We can convince him to come with us. Yeah, actually, that made me think of something funny. You know, we that were talking- actually made me think of a game that I've played. Well, there you go. We we talked briefly of um, what do characters remember once they've died. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that the character's spirit never went anywhere and just hung around with the party and saw everything. It's like, well, while you were dead, I saw what happened while I was dead. Thank you. <laughs> Don't do that again. Yeah. Come on. You really did not need to eat that much macaroni and cheese. I mean, I know you were <laughs> grieving, but for crying out loud, you had a bucket. I want yeah. my coin purse back, Yeah, Bill. at that point, it's like, all right, guys, we can never let anyone die again because <laughs> they know too much. All right? <laughs> you know, it'd be a fun way to kind of keep them engaged and not feel like, okay, now we need to tell everybody all the new stuff that's happened. It's, yeah, you know what happened. You know too much. You, more, you know more than you wish you did. Yeah. So I think... That might be the best point to wrap things up now that we've gotten the last couple of points out. Thanks again for listening, folks. Again, I want to encourage you to go out to our website, savingthegamepodcast.org. You'll find all our social media links and all of our past episodes, including old episodes that are currently missing from our feed. They're slowly getting added back on the off weeks. So from all of us here at Saving the Game, thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you, folks, and have a good one. All right. See ya. Catch you later. Bye. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through InroadsMinistries.com, RPGPodcasts.com, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at SavingTheGamePodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.